journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. And a shabbat talk to everybody out there who's staying safe, you're staying safe, you're staying warm. And what better way to warm your heart than just learn a little bit of Torah um, and that have been every single week. We know that we are discussing Akedas Yitzchak, the binding of Yitzchak. And um, we've been sitting on this topic for quite a number of weeks now because it's just so fascinating and it's so very central to our faith, to our religion, and we've learned so much about it. We are coming to the climatic part now, the actual part where Abraham is about to put Isaac on the altar. Where we left before, um, last week, we were discussing the fact that um, the Satan, Satan, was trying to stop Abraham and Yitzhak from fulfilling this mission because he knew that if they accomplished it and they got it right, they, in fact, would be creating a tremendous amount of merit, a tremendous amount of schutz for the Jewish people, which we do still today. Tap onto it. We learn, we read Akedat Yitzchak every single morning. We use it primarily in our Rosh Hashanah davening on um, first day Rosh Hashanah. And so the Satan, the Yetzirah, that which um, allows us to have free choice, did its utmost to try and stop them, but they were unrelenting. They were committed to fulfilling God's will, and so they did. So now we are going to start in chapter 22, verse 9, um, and we are coming to the part now where they've arrived at the top of the mountain. They arrive at this place, that God had designated to Abraham. Abraham built the altar. He arranged the wood. And he bound his son Yitzchak. And he placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Just basically one verse, but laden, laden with a tremendous amount of teaching and learning. So the first thing was that they arrive at this place and it says Abraham built Et HaMizbeach, the altar. Now what we uh, know is that, as I just mentioned, the Satan was um, chasing Abraham and uh, uh, Yitzchak and Abraham was actually afraid that the Satan would throw a stone at Yitzchak or do something to Yitzchak one of the things that we learn is that when one brings up a sacrifice to God it has to be without blemish he was very very nervous that the Satan would do something not to blemish Yitzchak and render him unfit for a sacrifice and so what he did is he went and hid Yitzchak in a cave that was on top of the mountain while he built um, uh, uh, the altar. Now, what is a very interesting thing over here, and I think something that pertains to us, and in case you don't believe the medical fraternity, here you have it in Torah, it says there's a difficulty here to understand. If Abraham knew that the stranger he met was in fact the Satan, how what would he hope to protect his son from him? Um, what, why did he go and hide um, Yitzchak in, uh, in, in the cave? 
So the Midrash goes and says, in a time of plague, one should not walk the streets. Similarly, as when the Sotom was nearby, um, Yitzhak should not be outside unprotected. Because at such times, one must take all possible precautions. And uh, I smiled when I read this, because certainly right now, I'm not saying the Sotom is out there, but certainly COVID is out there. Maybe it is a, a code name for the Sotom. Um, we should take precautions and we uh, personally should be personally responsible um, for what we are doing right now. We all know that we heard from uh, the president last night. And really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how ineffectual or effectual a government is or what systems are in place. It always boils down to individual people showing responsibility. And that is the bottom line. Truly and truthfully, if each and every person would act in a responsible manner, in a highly responsible manner, we actually would be able to be on lockdown zero because everybody would take upon themselves that responsibility and we would not need laws to govern our behavior. Sadly, as a society, we don't function like that. Um, we have elements of society and even within ourselves, uh, times where we do not want to adhere to the, 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 the responsibility to the, I guess the yoke of responsibility placed upon us. And it's pretty difficult. And therefore we have to have governments and, um, and policing in order to enforce such. But here we can see that Abraham took every, every precaution necessary to ensure that both him and Yitzhak would fulfill God's commandment 100%. And um, he hid Yitzchak so that uh, he could now prepare the altar for sacrifice. Now, we know that um, when we look at the words, the words um, are very, very precise. And the words come to teach us very interesting things. In regard, with regards to the um, altar, it says, Vayiben sham Avraham et hamizbeach, that Avraham built the altar. Now, that is pretty strange because um, what needs to be said is that Abraham built an altar. Why didn't he build an altar? He built the altar. So we are told that this was an existing altar. Okay, how do we know that? Well, firstly, we know that right at the beginning of creation, um, Adam built an altar and he offered a sacrifice. That altar that was originally built by, by Adam, by Adam, the first man, is in fact the altar that we have now in our story. This very same altar, in fact, we are told, is, was used by Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel, when they brought and offered their sacrifices. They went to the altar built by their father, Adam, and that's where they, um, Sacrificed and, um, they, uh, they, they, they brought their sacrifices that led to God choosing the one sacrifice over the other. And then the consequent story of Cain killing Abel. And then furthermore, we are told that after the great flood and Noah came out, he too made a, a sacrifice to God. He also offered up a sacrifice and thanks for saving him. He too gave that sacrifice on the very same altar. So that is why the Torah is very, very specific in saying that Abraham built the altar. 
meaning that when Abraham came to the mountaintop, God showed him the ancient altar, and Abraham proceeded to rebuild it and restore it. So it wasn't an altar from the beginning. It was the altar because it was the very same altar that had been used previously by Adam, Cain, and Hevel, and Noah. Now, there's another reason why it was the altar and not an altar, and that is because we have a law in the Torah that talks about the fact that we bring a communal sacrifice, a korban tamid, every morning and every night in the Beit HaMikdash. It's called tamid because it's an always, it's a, it's an ever-present sacrifice. One uh, sheep was sacrificed in the morning and one at night. And in fact, now we are in the period of Yudzayin Tammuz to the ninth of Ab, the three weeks. And one of the tragedies that happened on Yudzayin Tammuz and a cause for our fasting is that there were no more sheep for the um, Kohanim to uh, bring up the Korban Tamid. And that was a travesty because it was something that was permanent and something that was everlasting in the temple. And one of the, uh, so to speak, destructions that happened uh, was that that stopped. So there was a, uh, a sacrifice that happened morning and night. We are going to go for a little bit of a break. When we get back, we will understand further a little bit more about this and why Abraham behaved the way he did. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, welcome back, and we're now discussing probably the highlight of the story of Arkadas Yitzhak. Abraham and Yitzhak are on the mountain, and we're talking about the altar. And one of the things I mentioned is that every day a communal uh, offering called the Korban Tamid was offered in the morning and in the afternoon. If you want to actually go and look at the verses, you can. It's in Bamidbar, it's Numbers, chapter 28, verses 2 to 8, if you're interested. Now, one of the laws regarding the Korban Tamid was that a new altar could only be dedicated with the morning offering and not with that of the afternoon offering. So if a new altar is being used and no sacrifice was offered on it in the morning, then it cannot be used in the afternoon. Now, we know that God commanded Isaac to, um, commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac in the afternoon, and therefore Abraham understood that he cannot build a new altar because a new altar cannot be dedicated in the afternoon. And he understood, therefore, that he would have to, he would be finding an altar that he would have to restore. Now, let's just talk about the time frame. Um, obviously, we know now Abraham restored the altar that was originally used by Adam, by Adam Arishon, by Adam. And um, although Noah had already restored it, nevertheless, um, it was in need again of restoration because we know that Noah used this altar right after the flood. That would have been in the year 1657 of the Jewish calendar, and now the, now it was the year 2085 in the Jewish calendar. That means the altar had not been used for 428 years, and it was certainly in an advanced state of disrepair. Um, also, we must know that the altar was ravaged by great earthquakes, 
um, that had destroyed the Tower of Babel that had happened after um, after Noah. So here we have now this altar that we are told by Yiven, um Sham Abraham Etamizbeach, he went and rebuilt or restored the altar. Very interestingly, we are told, by the way, that this altar is very, very close to the Kiseh HaKavod, to the throne of glory. In fact, it stands precisely opposite the Kiseh HaKavod. And we spoke further that the site that Abraham um, was going to perform, the Akedas Yitzhak, the sacrifice of Yitzhak, is in fact on top of the Mount Moriah. And this is the uh, gateway, the opening um, between our world and all other worlds. And it is through this um, place that we are told that the entire world um, was created. And I've mentioned it before. I will mention it again that for those of us that have had the, the swift, the merit to go to and do the tunnel tours, we know that the western wall of Jerusalem, which is an exit wall, um, an outside wall of the temple, <clears throat> runs much deeper, much lower than the ground that we see, and, and, and much further. And when you go through the tunnel tours, you actually walk the breadth of that wall until you come to a point where it says that you are the closest point to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, to the Holy of Holies. Um, and the Holy of Holies is really the place where this Mizbeach stood. So um, if you want to try to get as close as possible to the altar, this is how you get to do it today. Hopefully, and please God, very soon we will have the arrival of Mashiach. We will have the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash and then we will be able to go up to the temple and we will be able to stand in the place, us not directly, but searching the Kohen Gadol, um, of this, uh, in the place of this altar that we are speaking about. Okay, then what did he do? Avram arranged the wood on the altar um, and when everything was prepared, he then went to the cave and he brought Yitzchak back to the designated place. Now, again, when a sacrifice is offered in the morning, we're told that the law is that the fire must be lit, must be kindled on the altar before the sacrifice is slaughtered. And in the afternoon, that procedure is reversed, meaning the sacrifice is slaughtered before the fire is Kindled. So since Isaac was to be sacrificed in the afternoon, Abraham prepared to slaughter him before the kindling of the altar. And um, we are told, the Midrash tells us a lot of now the discussion between Abraham and Yitzchak. First we are told that Yitzchak actually helped his father put the finishing touches on the altar. Um, it, it, it looked beautiful. Apparently, how beautiful an altar could look. And then Yitzchak spoke up, we are told, and this is what the Midrash says. Yitzchak said to his father, My dear father, hurry and do God's bidding. Burn me well and bring home some of my ashes for my mother to keep. And whenever she grieves, let her look at these ashes and remember how glad we did God's will today. That will be her comfort my heart goes out to you, my dear father, for your old age now will be so miserable. These are really heart-rendering words 
words that really like st- like strike you um, in your heart. Replied Avraham, says the Midrash, my remaining years are few and God will give me the strength to endure. To which Yitzhak replied, I am still concerned about my mother. Be careful that you do not tell her what happened when she is standing on a roof or near a well, for the shock may drive her to take her life. Do not spring the news on her too suddenly, but please be patient and gentle and prepare her for the complete story. I cannot forget the tears she shed on the night before we left home. And if you recall, for those that are following, um, it said that Sarah was completely distraught and cried the entire night. Avram then took the knife uh, for the slaughter and Yitzchak said to his father, wait, you know, father, I am a strong young man. I am much more powerful than you. And I want to obey God's commandment with all my heart and all my soul. But I instinctively, as a human being, value my life. And I am afraid that I will tremble when you place the knife to my throat and you will not be able to hold me still. And I'm afraid that I might lose control. I might do something wrong. The pain may cause my arm or my leg to jerk. Maybe I'll strike you. Um, and I do not want to move in any way whatsoever to render, render the ritual slaughter invalid. So therefore, my dear father, I plead to you that before you place me on the altar, that you bind me up tightly so everything can go perfectly, for I do not want anything to go wrong. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says that regarding Yitzhak at this time, it is written, a son honors his father, because no son ever honored his father like that. Yitzhak was a strong man. We know that he was a young man. He was 37 years old at the time. He could have easily given Abraham a, a blow, a single blow, okay? But what he did, rather, was that he meekly allowed his father to bind him like a sheep, and his respect for his father was greater than life itself. And that's why, by the way, this is called Akedas Yitzchak, the binding of Yitzchak, um, simply because this is the request of Yitzchak. Why isn't it called the sacrifice of Yitzchak, but the binding of Yitzchak? Because it was in this binding that Yitzchak, a young man, showed such tremendous willpower, such tremendous covered honor for his father, such tremendous desire to fulfill God's um, will, that it is called the binding of Yitzhak, because that is what he requested of his father. Quite traumatic, I've got to tell you. I don't know how you're feeling right now. I'm pretty traumatized. Abraham, we are told, then lay Yitzchak down, face down on the ground. He tied his two hands and his two feet together behind him so that he wouldn't budge. And then he laid him gently on the altar, facing up. It says that when Abraham bound Yitzchak, it says God took all the guardian angels of all the nations in heaven and he bound them as well, making them powerless against Israel, against the Jewish people. Just follow with me, folks, because you will actually see um, how this, this, this comes out. Now, what happens is when an animal is ritually slaughtered, 
um, the shaykhet will place his foot on the beast. So it says that Abraham placed his knee gently on Yitzchak and he grasped his throat with his left hand. Um, and in that moment he paused. And it says that Abraham's eyes welled up with tears and some of them dropped into Yitzchak's eyes because as much as Abraham understood that he needed to fulfill the will of God, his eyes, his emotions just gushed with tears and it was not controllable. Um, and it was at that quintessential moment when he bound, he bound, um, he was bound helpless on the altar that the full impact of the situation struck Yitzchak and it said Yitzchak at that point in time davened to Hashem to save him. And that is why when we do slichot, when we pray slichot, those are the penitential prayers that we, we say uh, before Rosh Hashanah and we say it on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we say the ane le Yitzchak May he who answered Yitzchak on the altar also answer us. Because when Yitzchak davened there in that split moment, when Abraham's hand was raised and he was about to slaughter his son, and his son and the son and the father had completely given themselves over to God, when Yitzchak realized he was utterly helpless, even unable to move, that was when he reached out to God in the most incredible way. And we realize that when, that we are just as helpless when we pray. And so we ask God to answer us as he answered Yitzhak. Lots of things were happening up in heaven at that very split moment. It says the angels, um, caused a storm, caused a storm up there. They presented themselves before God. They started crying out to God, Lord of the universe, you are called merciful and kind-hearted. Have mercy on Yitzhak who is bound on the altar like a lamb. You promised Abraham that you would have many descendants through Yitzhak and that they would take possession of the land of Canaan. You showed him Yerushalayim. You showed them the holy temple. Now this precious pearl will be lost. What will be destined um, of what will be for the destined uh, nation Israel? Who is going to Accept your commandments. And they further said, have mercy further on this old father whose agony is just too great to describe. For all his life he yearned for a son, enduring the worst suffering. And finally when he was a hundred years old you gave him a son and now you want um, the son back and he's hurrying to do your will. Let this merit be enough. Spare Isaac's life. And it says Abraham was looking into Yitzhak's eyes Yitzchak's eyes were gazed up on high. He saw angels, Yitzchak. Abraham didn't see them. And it was at that point in time, and it seems that I'm going on and taking like a couple of minutes. All of this obviously happened much quicker. But it says that God answered the angels and said, Remember, this was actually for you, not for Abraham. 2,085 years ago, when I created Adam, I sought your advice and I said, um, should I create man? And you replied, says God to the angels, you replied, he will sin, he will sin and deserve no advantage. Now look at my 
child, my servant, Avraham. I put Avraham through this ordeal to show you that man is not just sinful and has no advantage. On the contrary, look at the greatness of man. Man has free will, and when he chooses to be righteous, he can be greater than all the angels. Now that you admit that Avraham is a very great man and a perfect saint, I have made my point, and now I will see to it that Yitzhak is not not killed, since I never desired it. My motive, my motive was merely to demonstrate Abraham's faith. So, as the knife is being lifted, and this is really verse ten, by Yishlach Abraham et Yado, he put forth his hand. By Yikach et Hamachelet Lishchot et Beno, he took the slaughter knife to kill his son. We've got three scenarios happening. Abraham is weeping, and one can one one can weep with him at the the self sacrifice that Abraham is going through in having to fulfill God's commandment um, without without a hesitation or an argument, because that was the faithful servant that he was. The depth of his faith is extraordinary. At the same time, we have Yitzchak who. Who, who agrees to this entire scenario and is willing to give up his life in service of God, but begging and pleading to God at that very moment not to bring that anguish upon his father and his mother and what God had, had promised them. And simultaneously, we have two scenarios happening up there. God himself binds the nations of the world's angels to say, you are powerless against Israel because they are so connected to me. You will never um, have the power to overcome them. And at the same time, the other ministering angels pleading with God and saying to God, you can't do this to old Abraham, to which God says, I did it to show you how great, how incredibly powerful, how connected Abraham is with me. And it was really just to prove to you that um, Abraham's faith is extraordinary. Um, we are told that though that at the moment that Abraham lifted up the knife, he had the knife in his right hand, and he was about to put it to his son's throat to cut him. Satan came again, and he pushed Abraham's hand, and he caused Abraham to drop the knife. Um, other opinions say that Satan uh, made a nick in the knife's blade and rendered it unfit for, for, for ritual slaughter. We know that when um, we go through shchita, when we do um, when we do ritual slaughtering, the knife has to be completely, completely um, uh, sharp. There must be no nicks in it. So when Abraham either realized that there was a nick. Or alternatively, that uh, he had dropped the knife. Avram saw this and he thought, well, maybe God doesn't want me to kill him by cutting his throat. He wants me to kill him with my bare hands. And we are told that then he moved both hands onto his neck and he began to strangle um, Yitzchak. Well, you're going to have to wait till after the break to see and hear the resolution of this dramatic, dramatic story. 
Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, welcome back. And we're at the point where Avram's just about to snuff out the life of Yitzchak. Vayikra elav malach Hashem min hashamayim, an angel of God called out from heaven. Vayomer, Avraham, Avraham. And he said, Avraham, Avraham, Vayomer. Avraham says, Hineni. Vayomer, and the angel says, Al tishlach yatcha ala nar, ve'al ta'aslo me'uma. Do not put your hand on the boy, and do not cause a blemish. Do not do anything to him. Ki ata yadaiti, for now I know, ki yera elokimata, that you are, that you fear God. Ve'ata, um, and you have not withheld your son, your only one, from me. So um, Abraham had his hands around Yitzhak's neck, and this angel shouts out, Abraham, Abraham, don't touch the boy. Um, it says that Abraham said, at least let me draw a few drops of blood, to which the angel replied, do not do anything to him. Why did he want to draw some blood? Because Abram realized that when he had dropped the knife or the knife was nicked, he thought maybe, he thought to himself, maybe I had committed some sin and the knife was ruined so that I wouldn't be able to bring the offering. And that's why he wanted to do it with his bare hands. And um, when the angel shouted, Abraham, Abraham, Abram, Abram, don't put forth your hand on the lad, Avram replied, if I stop now, all my preparation, both physically and mentally, will have been in vain. At least let me draw enough blood to sprinkle on the altar. To which the angel negated all of that. And he said, you have to do nothing to your son. For the entire reason this was just to test you, to demonstrate your faith. No Satan, no nation can complain. And they they have all seen your absolute and utter um, dead dedication. And that was all that was needed. You need to do nothing, nothing more. Um, interestingly, uh, we are told that who was this angel? We're told that one opinion is that the angel who called to Abraham was the angel created from the good deed he was presently performing. And that's why the angel says, I know for myself, I can see for myself that you fear God. Um, I am complete, I've been completed, and I know that you've completed all that God wants of you with a perfect motive, because I know this for myself, it was created by your good deed. We know that when we create, when we do a mitzvah, we create a good angel, when we do the opposite, we create a negative angel, and these angels will stand at the court of law and will either advocate for us or prosecute us when we pass over to the next world. So this angel was created um, because of this mitzvah, um, and that's why he says, I know for myself, I've been created in its entirety. Your motivation, your determination was perfect. Other, another opinion goes and says that the angel, in fact, was Michal. Um, we're told that then um, Abraham has a, a, a discussion with the with with God, okay, um, and he now in one one way obviously feels unbelievably relieved, and another way 
he feels torn because he didn't really come to the understanding of testing. And he went and said to God, how can you tell me two different things? First, you say, bring him up as a burnt offering. And now you are telling me not to put my hand on the lad. Now, one of the things that God brings out, and this was a misunderstanding, not misunderstanding, but I guess a misinterpretation, is that what did God really, really tell Abraham? Did he tell Abraham, take him up and sacrifice him? No. He says, Kach et bincha. Okay, take for your son, take your son, et yechitcha asherahavta, the one that you love, Yitzchok, vehaalehu sham lo'ayla. And you're going to bring him up as an offering. God did not say and sacrifice him as an offering. So what God says to him is that you understood that bringing him up as an offering was in fact a sacrifice, but I didn't want him as a, as, as, as a sacrifice. I wanted you to bring him up as a burnt offering because all I wanted you to do was bring him up to the mountain with the intention that he should be an offering. Um, and all I wanted to do was to have enough proof and to show your faith to the world. You did put Yitzhak up on the altar. You did bind him up like an animal. Um, and for that, I considered as if you actually sacrificed him. Your ordeal is over. Take him down and go in peace. This was God's response back to Abraham. Abraham says the following then. Reboina Shalailam, Lord of the universe, I swear I will not budge from here until you fulfill my petition. And what does he say? He says, on that night of Pesach long ago, you showed me the stars and you said, just as you cannot count the stars, no one will be able to number your descendants. You are obviously speaking of Yitzchak, since you later told me through Yitzchak, you shall, you, you will be said to have offspring. Still, when you told me to bring a him as a sacrifice, I overcame my deepest emotions. I hurried to obey, and I could have held you to your promise, but I never thought of doing so. But, says Abraham, there will come a time when Yitzchak's descendants will sin and will be worthy of punishment. So I petition you that at such times, you recall now Akedas Yitzchak, the binding of Yitzchak, Consider it as if I had actually sacrificed him and burnt him, leaving his ashes on the altar, since this was my intention. And let this merit stand up for all his descendants and save him from their troubles. And I also want you to swear that never again will you test me or my son Yitzhak, for you have tested me ten times and I can no longer take it. I'm afraid that the next time I will not be strong enough to control my emotions. Very, very human dialogue now with the master of the universe and God says the following and replies to him and says, you have spoken your peace and now I will reply. You are concerned that your descendants will sin? Know this, today, as we said before, is Rosh Hashanah, the new year. On this day I judge everyone in the world, great and small alike. I set up a decree for each individual, depending on his deeds, because everything is recorded in a book. If you want me to seek out merit for them and recall this binding of Isaac, then let them sound the ram's horn, the shofar, 
and this will benefit them greatly. And you can be rest assured that the binding of Yitzhak will outweigh all the other tests. You have attained the ultimate degree of sainthood, and your love for me does not have any ulterior motive, and it's impossible to test you to any greater decree, and you will be assured that you will never suffer again. Abraham then turned to Hashem and said, Well, where is that shofar? Where is that ram's horn that you mentioned? I have no idea of its significance. Turn around, says God, and you will see it. And in fact, the, the next verses say, Vayisa Abraham enav. Abraham lifts up his eyes. Vayar He sees a ram. It had caught itself. The karnav. It's, it's, it's caught its um, horns in the thicket. Vayelech Abraham. Abraham went. Vayikach itayayil. He took the ram. Vayalehu leoyla tachas And he sacrificed that ram. Um, very, very interestingly, he, um, we know that once he had sacrificed it, it says that um, Abraham slaughtered it and he said, may this be considered as if I had slaughtered my son and may this be considered as if I did this to my son. And with tears streaming down his cheeks, Abraham prayed to God, Lord of the universe, I held back all my emotions and didn't even feel any pity for my son just as I do your will. May you similarly hold back your anger and direct the pity that I overcame towards my children and let thus the merit of the Akeda protect them. Unbelievable words, quite an emotionally stirring um, uh, situation charged with, with all the emotions if we actually closed our eyes and thought about it would actually, uh, I personally feel traumatized but so very touched by Abraham's depth of connection to God. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, to conclude, and the story isn't concluded, we will conclude it in Mir Tzashem, please God, next week. But um, what I think the lesson that we need to, 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 to learn from this, and this is something that we were learning um, as we were going along, but again emphasizing, and I think a very powerful lesson now um, in today's time, is that um, a Jew in is, is inextricably connected with God. We are an extension of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, an extension of their connectedness to God. And really, when one reads the story, whilst it may bring up many, many emotions, one of the things that we learn and we saw then further through history of when people, when Jews are connected to God in the most powerful way, then nothing, nothing can stand in the way of the service of God. And we've seen many, many, many times in history after Abraham where Jews have gone to the slaughter. We, uh, what's coming to mind right now are the, the ten martyrs that we, we speak about on Yom Kippur. Um, Rabbi Akiva being amongst them um, and the many others, but where they willingly and wantingly gave up their lives because they were so connected to God and knew that that was their only reality. Um, thank God we, we're not put in that position right now. But the reason we read Akedah Sitzah daily is to remind us to kind of like up our game and get ourselves connected to God 
We are far from that in the sense we are, we are on a, on a, on a practical level disconnected. On a, on a, in the essential, um, spiritual les- lesson, we are always connected. Um, but we need to bring that connection to the fore. We need to live consciously as proud Jews connected to God and doing God's will. And the lesson in coronavirus is this, is that one of the ways to get one out of the muck and the mire of all the negative fear-mongering that is going going around and the anxiety and the fear that is happening is to understand that God runs the world, God runs COVID, God runs the economy, God runs the government, God runs your life, he runs my life. And our job is to step up to the plate and behave the way God wants us to behave, be connected to God, and let God worry about everything out there. For me, everything that out there is, it is real. It has a, a, a practical application, and in no way am I undermining that we should always, always be responsible, practice social distancing, wearing masks, do everything we need to protect ourselves, but at the same time live with an inner conviction that all this has been created by God and all this will dissipate um, and be taken away by God. And our job through this process is to be connected to God, just like our forefather Abraham, those many thousand years ago. With that note, I wish you a positive week, a strengthened week, a week filled with acts of goodness and kindness, a week where we increase in the learning of Torah, a week where we increase in our benevolence, kindness, compassion, and sensitivity to our fellow man. And with that, we will um, push the world even further in goodness and kindness that eventually all of us, Jew and non-Jew alike, will be able to serve God on the mountain that Abraham did speedily in our days. Have a great, great week ahead.